Welcome to the Finance and Investments Student Association's FISA Fireside Chats with Matthew and Oliver. All right, so we're here with Charlie Burkett. He's a senior analyst on our private debt team here at BCI. Uh, you know, we thought Charlie had a really interesting career path, and we just wanted to hear a little bit more about it. So we're really excited to have you here today. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Um, so I guess I'll start at university. I went to Waterloo for the accounting and financial management program. Um, I guess a bit on why I went there. I was interested in doing a co-op program because um, I was focused on work, I'd say, right away, kind of thinking about university. Um, and I liked the fact that the program was just focused on accounting and finance. So I went to Waterloo initially thinking that I wanted to get my CPA. So I did my first two co-op terms at EY quickly realized that um, I wasn't necessarily interested in the work as much as I I thought I would be. Uh, I worked with some great people and I I learned lots there. Um, But I had sort of the the grades, the extracurriculars, um, and everything else that you needed to get a a career in finance. So um, I left UI after my second co-op term. Um, I started applying for jobs across the board in finance, not just investment banking. Um, actually, I think it's I think it's helpful to mention here that sort of the main extracurricular I had to speak to was uh, I was a, an analyst and an associate on the University of Waterloo Student Venture Fund. Um, so that was a good experience getting, getting exposure to um, an investing role kind of right off the bat in university. Um, so anyways, going back to sort of my path, um, I applied for everything. Uh, I ended up getting a job at National Bank and an offer at National Bank on their FIG team within investment banking. Um, and I thought that would be kind of a good place to start my career in finance. Um, I thought it would provide good training uh, and I'd meet a variety of smart people who probably had good connections across the industry. So I joined that team, uh, hit it off really well with the team. I did good work. I found it challenging and I liked it a lot. So I came back for a second co-op term. Um, same thing. There were some new members of the team, but uh, got along with them really well and eventually got a full-time return offer and then joined that same FIG team at National Bank um, for just under a year full-time which then I uh, made my switch to private debt at BCI. Well, that's a, that's a very, very impressive background, Charlie. I'm super happy to, to have you here on the podcast. I, I just wanted to touch on your, your first, first experience because many students kind of struggle or have a hard time. Personally, I had a hard time finding my first internship. So did you do anything in particular? Maybe like, did you focus more on your grades? Did you focus more on extracurriculars to lend that first internship? Did you network? Is there any tips you could give the people that you kind of wish you had or that you you did particularly well during that time? Yeah, so I'd say I focused on all three kind of grades, extracurriculars and networking for my first internship at EY. I will say at Waterloo, um, it's they set you up very well to get a job uh, in accounting at the big four firms. That being said, it still does help to network, and, and maybe I can speak a bit to National Bank after this. Um, but yeah, I was focused on getting good grades in school. I, I made sure that um, I maintained a, a strong GPA. I also signed up for sort of any extracurricular that I could to show that I was interested in accounting and finance outside of the classroom. Um, for example, in my first year, I got involved in a 
uh, on the exact team of a, of a case competition, um, more kind of tech focus, but, um, I thought that would be good to show my, my interest in business as well as, um, some other things like the technology. And for example, I ended up in on the student fund later, but anyways, um, I'd say focused on all three. I networked a lot with EY. I had some connections there. Um, so it kind of, it was, it was natural that I ended up there, but I would say advice for current students, probably focus on all three. It's okay if you don't have the best GPA in the world, or if you don't have all the extracurriculars in the world, I would say networking is a very important one. Um, once you have your foot in the door and people, people on the street know your name, that goes a long way. Um, kind of moving on to national bank. Uh, again, by that point, at that point, I had good grades and I had extracurriculars like the student fund, the student venture fund to speak to. Um, and then, and then at that point it was just kind of focusing on networking and sort of managing relationships at, um, various banks in, in Toronto. Yeah. Well, it's the same sort of thing at, at Concordia, right? So many opportunities to get involved outside the classroom between, you know, the John Wilson Inve- Investment Society, uh, FISA, so the Finance Investment Student Association, JMAS, uh, John Wilson Accounting Society. And if you want to do competitions, you could you could join JMCC. So there's really no shortage of opportunities for student, students at Concordia to, you know, sort of do sort of do a similar thing and get involved outside the classroom. And so what I thought was interesting was you came from, you know, sort of an accounting background. I think we were seeing that a little bit more and more in finance. Uh, you know, a lot of students doing maybe a double major in finance and accounting and obviously you did your first internship in accounting so do you think that that was that was beneficial for you as a you know as sort of a base to break into investment banking yeah i would say 100 percent uh to start off the big four firms are reputable and a good name to have on your resume um and on top of that and i'd say more importantly my accounting background has helped me um, a lot in my career just in I mean, working in finance, you're dealing dealing with financial statements, reading financial statements, um, picking them apart, putting together comps. Um, so I'd say having that accounting background is huge for me, and I find myself actually um, kind of sh- like sharing my accounting knowledge with other juniors at my firm who may have less of less of a, a strong accounting base. Um, I mean, I would say like my program was focused heavily on accounting, so it was pretty natural for me to take those courses. Uh, and even when I dropped the CPA path, I still did take some of the financial accounting. Like the, I took the um, financial accounting courses all the way up to the to the advanced one and fourth year. Um, but I would say if you're in a program that doesn't have necessarily an accounting focus, um, try to take as many accounting courses as possible. At the time, it kind of you might not be able to make the connection, but I have a feeling you'll, you'll kind of see the benefits, um, once you start working. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's some great points. And we've got a lot of students like this at, uh, at GMSB. So now I wanted to kind of shift towards your, your investment banking experience. I think we hear that a lot. It's a very prestigious career. I don't know if you could talk about your experience at national bank, if there any deals you've worked on that were super interesting and, Maybe what led you to uh, to join BCI after your experience at National? Yeah, so again, I was in the FIG uh, coverage group, so uh, specifically focused on financial institutions. Um, maybe I'll start off here by saying that FIG definitely has a bit of a 
um, amongst, I'd say, newer students, people probably are less interested in it. Um, bank, banks and insurance companies um, are yeah. what people jump at these days, right, to, <laughs> to uh, go in depth about and learn a lot about. Um, but I want to mention that it's a lot more than that. Um, I worked with a variety of clients, including stock exchanges, asset managers, fintech companies. Um, so it is more exciting than at surface level, just uh, banks and insurance companies. And even then, I think banks and insurance companies have their own um, is- interesting aspects of them. I actually really enjoyed working with, with those types of clients as well. Um, but I was involved in a few M&A processes, uh, both sell side, I had some buy side experience. I think if I'm going to talk about a transaction, one of my favorite ones that I worked on was um, TMX's acquisition of AST. Uh, it's a bit niche. It's a it's a trust company, uh, a subsidiary of an Australian trust company that uh, the TMX bought, but I, I just found that interesting. Uh, got really involved with working with... Um, the employees and corp dev team at TMX, um, and just kind of saw the, a transaction from a corporate transaction from the perspective of a strategic buyer, which I, I really enjoyed. Um, other than that, a lot of your time in a coverage group and a lot of my time in, in my coverage group was spent, uh, pitching and just kind of maintaining those relationships with clients. So you're, you're, you're keeping up with industry trends and putting together industry materials often, um, for, for clients. And not only that, you'll, you'll put together a lot of sort of strategic, um, or pitches with, uh, I'll say M and a strategic sort of twists. Um, some people may view that as a negative versus, purely working on transactions if you're in an M&A group. Um, my advice would be to keep a bit more of an open mind. I think you can learn a lot in a coverage group. You can see, I think one of the, from, from a junior's perspective, one of the benefits of working in a coverage group is you can, you can really learn from uh, a senior uh, director or managing director um, from, from their idea generation. You can kind of see their, their thesis on strategic uh, M&A initiatives for companies and I think I think that has a lot of value that people probably underestimate a lot um, but anyways I feel like I'm kind of defending coverage groups here that's not that wasn't that wasn't, that wasn't really the, the point I, I liked my I liked my time at National um, I I enjoyed uh, being in a coverage group you get to learn a certain space quite well um, and I would definitely I would definitely recommend people to to explore that a bit more, even if you're pretty focused on uh, just getting an M and A job. I I would I would uh, I would recommend kind of exploring the benefits of being on a coverage group too. Yeah, thanks for that. So the other thing is that you actually completed your internships at National as well. So a lot of people, especially especially this year, they're handing out a lot less full time offers these days. And so for students that may be in the situation for the next one or two years, what, what advice would you have for, for co-ops going into banking? Uh, to, any advice that you could give them to, to maybe land that full-time offer while, while they're in their internship? That's a good question. I think I got to be careful what I say here, but I think, uh, 
I think kind of the most valuable thing about being a, a good analyst is, um, or I guess maybe I can't pick out a most valuable thing, but I'll, I'll talk about a few different things here. I think one, um, being able to work well with the team, so having the soft skills, um, and along with that, just the personality to be able to be a good team player and try your best to, to fit in with the team when you're working long hours, as everyone knows, that that comes along with investment banking. It does matter, sort of your working habits and your personality. You want to kind of, you want to try your best to not only be co-workers and, or if it's just going to be a purely co-worker uh, relationship, you, you want to make it as as positive uh, as possible in the eyes of the full-time analysts and associates and even the more seniors if you're working working with them as well. Uh, the second thing is just being, I think being resourceful is a huge skill that um, a lot of people may not have. Um, when I say being resourceful, I mean basically if you're given something, uh, you're given a task with minimal instruction or guidance, just being able to using what you have and whether that means uh, other people at the firm, uh, friends at university, obviously without giving up confident, confidential information that definitely <laughs> don't do that. But um, yeah, resources uh, at the firm, um, friends, other colleagues to be able to basically get a task done when you don't have too much to go off of I think that goes a long way people really like it when when they're working the long hours and have a lot on their plate if if a a newer junior student or intern whatever can come in and um sort of put together some a complete deliverable um while kind of managing it all themselves um and then I think the the third thing and maybe this goes along with what I first talked about is just having a good attitude it's easy in a very fast-paced and busy environment to get frustrated um, or, um, I won't say upset, but it's, you know what I mean, it's easy to get kind of <laughs> frustrated or lose focus um, of kind of the work and and get a bit negative or whatever, but I think having a good attitude and showing that you're uh, willing to work hard and do the work and um focus on the, the the kind of the positive sides of the work that won't only help yourself get through some some challenging work times but it also um make you a more attractive um uh coworker from a talent perspective versus maybe someone else who who's kind of focuses on the on the negatives and doesn't have as good of an attitude so i think i think those three things uh definitely go a long way yeah, I think I think you're definitely right, and and uh, Matthew and I are seeing it as well in our internships at uh, at BCI. Attitude is definitely a a key thing to to have during your your whole career. Well, especially when you're spending so much time with your team, right? And like you know, in a place like banking, I mean, I guess they, they must time, put yeah. <laughs> a ton of emphasis on like finding the right fit for the team, not just not just the technical side, right? Exactly, exactly, and I guess like it's I, I didn't mention it, but having having strong technical skills definitely goes a long way. And I guess that kind of ties into the, the resourcefulness point. Um, but yeah, if you have that technical knowledge base and then you're also able to use what you have 
I mean, that would be one of your, your tools in your tool set or whatever. But if you, if you can use that along with being able to work through things on your own, that definitely goes a long way. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's, let's transition. And you, you've come from the sell side, NBF, working banking. I, I'm curious to hear about the transition and, and why coming to BCI and, and why in private debt, what attracted you in that, uh, in that role, especially. So I actually didn't, uh, I didn't know a lot about private debt before I started interviewing at BCI. It's kind of an, an interesting, uh, situation. Um, but I will say like once I started interviewing and, um, get, got to know the team a bit more, I definitely, I learned a lot about private debt from them. And then I also did a lot of research on my own to, to get up to speed on the asset class, um, uh, before and as I was interviewing and, and as I was going through the application process. So, um, I initially, I'd say naturally I was focused on, um, leaving the sell side for the buy side. Uh, it's a, a lot of people in banking make that transition, I'd say. And I guess I was probably influenced by, by other people that I had seen that do a stint in investment banking and then move on to, um, the buy side. And I, I'll very quickly, I'll say, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't start investment banking knowing that you're going to leave, uh, to a buy side job. I'd say, try your best to keep an open mind. It, Definitely is a good stepping stone. You get uh, basically great training for a couple of years at the start of your career, if that is the the um, path you decide to go to. But um, yeah, kind of sidetracking here, I would say just keep an open mind. But anyways, so I kind of naturally, uh, <laughs> going against what I just said, uh, spent, <laughs> yeah. spent a, a, a short time in investment banking and then made the move to the, to, to the buy side on private debt. But um, the reason I initially got interested in private debt is I had a connection to the team and then found out they were hiring. Um, so I talked to a few people on the team before I applied. Um, they, like I said, got me up to speed on the asset class, obviously very high level, but, um, I, I kind of just got interested right away. I had heard there's a lot of industry tailwinds. Um, it's becoming a, a more popular, asset class where people are allocating money to. Um, so that was kind of interesting me enough. And then I thought, okay, I'll, I'll apply here and meet more of the team. So I got an interview. Um, I met my director who, um, was very insightful and, and I, I'd say I got along with him right away throughout the interview process. Um, met a few more people of the team. And as I was interviewing, I learned a lot more about private debt. And one thing I, I made sure to ask, which maybe, I can provide some advice here that works for me is at the end of all of my interviews with different people, I would ask them what um, the most exciting part of the job that they found was. And that kind of helped me yeah. um, put into perspective, not just like, here's, here's what private debt is, but here, if you're working in private debt and um, here's some kind of things that people might not think about that you might like while, while you're working in it. So um, I found that helpful. And I'd say some of the things that people find interesting that they told me in my interview process, I, I agree. I also uh, find interesting. But um, anyways, I got the I got the offer from BCI, um, and I thought it was I thought it was good. It was a it was an improvement in terms of uh, working hours, 
like it seemed like a, a good place to go where I could use what I learned uh, from investment banking. As I mentioned, it's kind of like a investment banking is a great. Um, I won't call it a training program because it's more than that. But you, you do pick up a lot of really good technical, soft, like all sorts of skills in investment banking. And I've definitely seen the benefits in my job now. Um, you could touch a little bit on, on private debt itself. It's a pretty, like it's a pretty niche exit. So maybe you could talk a little bit about what it is really quickly and, and, and what you do, like what your team does specifically. Yeah, okay, so... Um, as I, as I kind of said, like I didn't, I didn't focus, I wouldn't say it's a, uh, an asset class that many people in investment banking focus on and maybe, maybe it's gotten a bit more popular recently, but it's not an asset class that comes to mind first when you're leaving investment banking. Uh, and like, like I said, for me, it wasn't either until I got connected with some people and started to learn more about it. Um, but basically what, what we do is sponsor backed um financing so we do the debt financing of an lbo transaction and we do i wouldn't like limit it to that we do a bit more than that but that's kind of the at the core uh of what we do and at bci we're focused on transactions mostly in um, the united states in europe uh, we do do some canadian transactions but primarily uh we're we're looking at um, LBO transactions that are in the United States and Europe. Um, that's awesome. I mean, uh, be conscious of your time here. What, maybe one last question for you. Is there any podcasts, movies, or anything you're, you're watching these days to, to keep up to dates or just in your, oh, in your free time? I'm, uh, I'm a dinosaur. I, I just read Bloomberg news, basically. <laughs> keep up to date. Yeah. Um, uh. Yeah, honestly, like I, I, I probably I should listen to more podcasts. I just don't. Um, movies, I mean, there's the classic finance movies that you can watch, but those don't really keep you up to date. That'll get you, that'll get you up to speed on on old on old older <laughs> stuff. But um, no, in my free time, I spend a lot of time uh, reading about, I'd say non non finance things. So. Unfortunately, well, that's good too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's good about. Yeah, yeah. Spend the whole day with the old. Yeah, my 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 advice would be just uh, like learn the stuff you need to learn to be able to get the the jobs and 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 finance, but also make sure you have some other some other things to speak to, uh, and have and 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 make time for for uh, fun hobbies outside of finance that you can speak to in interviews because people will be more interested in someone who. Who can sort of who can yeah have a unique uh, I won't say personality but just yeah and in, in, interesting hobbies and and that's that sort of thing yeah, so, sure. yeah that'll help you stand out in interviews a little bit but yeah awesome well thank you so much Charlie and uh, to everyone that listened thank you so much and we'll uh, we'll see you on the next podcast yeah thank you guys appreciate it.